Welcome to the Access VFX podcast, pursuing inclusion, diversity, awareness and opportunity in VFX, animation and games industries. Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, founder and director of Access VFX, bringing the visual effects animation and games industry together, working towards a shared goal to make our industry more diverse and inclusive by taking action rather than just talking about it. Hello, I'm Simon, founder and director of Access VFX, and welcome to season two, episode 19 of the Access VFX podcast. On each episode of the pod, we interview a different member of the VFX animation and games community and ask them the big 20 questions from the Access VFX vault. Every week, we invite talented folks from the world of visual effects animation and games, including heavyweights and those just getting started in the industry, and ask them about their journey from humble beginnings, big breaks and learnings through to shamelessly mining their brains for career advice and their thoughts on how we can create a more inclusive and diverse creative community. For our 19th episode, we're celebrating 2022's Young Animator of the Year, or YAY, with 2020's best 3D animation winner in the 15 to 18 age group, Josh Palfrey. Josh was just 17 when he romped to victory with his winning entry, the aptly titled First Place, which swiftly led to Blue Zoo Animation picking him up for their internship programme, and now as their youngest ever 3D artist. Yay is a competition run by professional animators to help young people find out more about animation and have fun making short animated films. It's all online and it's for everyone and anyone aged 11 to 18 across the UK who's interested in animation and hopefully interested in pursuing a career in it. Yay is taking entries currently and if Josh has inspired you on this episode, which I know he will, I'll provide more info at the end of the episode on how you can get involved. We recorded this last week and it's an absolute killer episode. Anyway, enough from me. Kick back, relax and enjoy episode 19 of the Access VFX podcast. Hello and welcome to the Access VFX podcast, season two, episode 19. It's me, Simon, and today's episode celebrates our beautiful partnership with 3DME, Screen Skills and Next Gen Skills Academy, the Young Animator of the Year, or YAY, as it is affectionately known. YAY has been running since 2020 and even earlier in the form of our Summer of Animation event back in 2019. The 2022 competition is currently live and entries can be submitted via the YAY UK website from literally right now until the deadline of September the 5th. YAY challenges teenage artists across the UK to make their own short animated films in 2D, 3D and stop motion styles and awards will be given for the best young 2D animator, best 3D animator and best stop motion animator across age groups 11 to 14 and 15 to 18 with the winning films getting screened at the Manchester Animation Festival in November. So what better way to champion this incredible competition than bringing Josh Palfrey onto the pod. Josh won best 3D animation in the 15 to 18 age group for his prophetically titled first place film in 2020. This led Josh to secure a place on Blue Zoo Animation's internship programme, where having exceeded all expectations, quickly led to a full-time gig, where he became the studio's youngest ever 3D artist. So without further ado, please give a warm Access VFX welcome to Josh Palfrey. Josh, welcome to the pod. Hello. That was, I think, my sixth attempt. People don't see behind the scenes on the podcast, but that was a lot of takes and a very long intro. But 
deservedly so. How are you doing, Josh? Welcome to the pod. I'm doing good, thank you, yeah. Good, good. Well, welcome and thanks for doing this. We turned this around very quickly, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, very quickly. Yeah, it's no problem though. Yeah, I spoke to Tom Box over at Blues who'd say that we need to really promote the Young Animator of the Year competition. And um, I remember a lot of talk about your work and obviously the uh, the first place film that you you did, which I rewatched in advance of this podcast. And I thought, you know, your story is brilliant. It's why we do what we do is you applied, you entered your film, it won, and then it secured you a great role and uh, pay, paves the way for a, a glittering career in the industry. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it's really, it was really off the cuff for me when I did it too. I only found out about it like right towards the end of competition. And um, yeah, I really thought that it was, it was a great chance to sort of work to a to a deadline for it because I I tried to do films in the past but they never sort of worked out until uh, until I had like a hard have to do it by this date and then that's what made it happen I think so that was that was fun brilliant so how did you find out about it back in the day can you cast your um, mind back to it was, 2020 yeah it was from Peter Kemp at 3D Ami uh, I was in touch with him um, through email and he he basically sent me the link saying you know you, you might be interested in having a look at this competition. Um, and, you know, I just thought, as soon as I clicked on it, I thought this is really what, really for me, because I've always sort of wanted to do a film and this is something that is, uh, that will allow me to do that. So that's why I did it. Yeah, well, the film was great. I mean, I remember watching it back in the day and uh, when we did launch the programme or the competition itself, and it was quite nice to go back in and watch it again. It was such a cool little film. I mean, where did you get the idea from? Was it, was it? Did you have a number of different options on the table or was that the, that the kind of your baby? Yeah, I'm really, kind of really bad at coming up with ideas. Just generally, it's like probably the, the thing I'm worst at. So I really wanted, to, it was really simple. It had like a really clear structure and it was just like, it was feasible to do as well because I, I could have gone crazy, you know, with sci-fi and whatever. But I just wanted something really simple, really like graphical and just accomplishable because yeah. I didn't want to start something that I knew it's going to either be too much work to finish or just completely drain me for doing it. So I tried to find the middle ground. But yeah, I just basically I was just sort of doodling, doodling around in the sketchbook and coming up with shapes and ideas. And, <laughs> and that's how it all started, really. Looking back at the film, I can barely watch it. I hate it now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it did its job. It was good. <laughs> completely get what you mean. I mean, it's just a really simple idea, but I think there's a real clever humor to it i think it's a really really sweet piece of work and i mean you must have uh, be, you must be going great guns now at blue zoo i mean what you've been there best part of two years now right i mean you've uh, had uh, so much mentorship and training since then yeah blue zoo i've actually i've been there about eight months ish like uh, on an actual job and then the internship was about a month before that so about nine months in total but okay. yeah like I mean, completely just learning so much from everyone there. It's been incredible, yeah. Like, there's so many talented artists that have been there for, for like, a decade or more, and it's they have mm. so much knowledge. Um, just being around them, and talking to them, just in normal conversation, you learn so much just, just being in that environment, really. Yeah, and you were... So when you entered the competition, you were 17, right? So you were part of that... Yeah, it was right on my birthday. Right on my birthday, so I was, like, 16, 17. Wow. And what was your education situation at the time? Uh, I was in, um, I can't remember. I think I was I was either finishing up GCSEs or I was in uh, sixth form in college. So, yeah, but I wasn't taking any creative subjects at all. Yeah, because the school didn't offer, uh, they didn't have enough students that wanted to do the art courses. Oh, so wow. I was so... doing physics, maths and computer science. 
So what um, was the plan back then? Yeah, if they, the plan yeah, was hope for the best. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was basically yeah. It was. I I wanted to do. I wanted to get my A levels done first, just so that even if I wanted to change my mind later, I had those to fall back on. And then I wanted to go to Bournemouth University and study animation cool. there, like through a, like a traditional proper route into the industry. Um, okay. And obviously that went out the window, but. I'm glad of it, but yeah, I never really, it was always a bit scary thinking, how am I ever going to get a job? Because it seemed like the skill requirement to get into the industry was so high uh, and the quality of work that I needed to be producing was way higher than what I was doing. And it just felt a bit overwhelming, but I, I still enjoyed doing it, but it was just sort of, it was quite scary to think about actually getting a job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think traditional routes years and years ago, I mean, it would have been the case, but I think the emergence of, uh, VFX apprenticeships now and you know really strong internships and I think the the A competition is just a great foot in the door just to kind of uh, like we said earlier just flexing what skills you do have and of course you had some time with 3DME right with Peter's, Peter's yeah, team yeah. And, and got to learn Blender and and all that kind of software so yeah but yeah it's amazing what you've yeah what you've achieved I mean I love stories like this I mean we have a lot of people we have a range of different guests on the podcast from like super veterans in the industry to people who are coming through right now. And uh, I do find these conversations so much more interesting. Don't tell any of our former guests. I do enjoy hearing about uh, fresh routes into industry that aren't the traditional routes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, though, it was um, really, the, I think the thing that got me in was just having a, a passion for it above all else. Because I think, well, I've been using Blender since, since I was about 12 and just sort of, playing in it because because it was fun because <laughs> I enjoyed doing it I never even at that point I'd never considered like this could be a job um, I was just sort of playing around with it trying to make games and loads of like everything you can imagine I wanted to do obviously I was terrible terrible but I feel like um, I'm grateful for starting younger because I didn't realize how mad I was until I was better so, I think you're being hard on yourself Josh there I think yeah, you've got no, to start I, somewhere right yeah definitely yeah like uh, the, the key thing is just being persistent with it and, and just doing a small amount every day, like half an hour on it every day or just anything like that. And even if you're not even trying to improve, you just naturally will over time, uh, which I think is the most important, just just persistency and enjoying what you're doing and making things that you want to make, uh, not because you think it'll get you a job. And that sounds like that's what you were doing. You were, you were doing yeah. it for fun. You were doing yeah. it because it was like a hobby rather than a, necessarily a career path back in back then yeah 100% yeah I was doing it all for fun I found it really cool that I could I could take an idea and just one man band do the whole thing start to finish yeah and then have like a playable game or like a, a film that I could watch out of it or just I just love getting to that that end product and feeling proud of it uh, that was the thing that really like mot- motivates me to to keep going with it um yeah that's 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 probably the main thing yeah Brilliant. And what kind of stuff are you working on at Blue Zoo at the moment? What are you What are you getting involved with? Uh, we're just on, I'm on, I'm in the commercials team, so we do uh, commercial projects. It's sort of like freelancing, but on a, a larger scale, like a company based scale. Uh, and we do a whole wide range of styles and adverts and things. I'm not sure if I can yeah, actually yeah, careful, tell yeah. anyone. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, there's 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 a massive range of styles from like photorealism to like really flat shaded toony stuff. And it's really fun, uh, especially because I'm so new. It's it's great yeah, to cool. learn like all the different styles and how how they're approached and everything. Mm. And also, the team's smaller, so there's more of like a a sense of sort of community there. And there's 
yeah, I, I don't know. I just think it's nice being in a smaller team sometimes. Mm. I think my experience of commercial work is is the variety, like you said. You know, actually, it's a really great place to start, isn't it? Because yeah. And again, you know from doing the competition as well as working at Blue Zoo that the different types of animation you can do. I mean, you've only got to look at the Yay website and see the, the stop motion kind of claymation stuff, the, the really slick 3D visuals, and the same those for kind of the timing of, of commercial work because I imagine they're short, quite short turnaround jobs, aren't they? So you're yeah, yeah. stuck on a show for, for months on end. It probably yeah. keeps it really I, rich. That, and that works for me, yeah, because like every day you're doing something different and you. There's never like a sense of repetitiveness or, or trolling. Or, it's always like something fresh has come in and it's a completely new thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just like constantly pushing what I can do. Um, and I, I love that. It feels really good when you accomplish something that you, you thought you'd never be able to do. No, it's amazing. It's, 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 it's such a great story, Josh, honestly. So I, I could talk about this all day and we've got quite a lot of questions to get through. So I think we yeah. should open the, uh, the now infamous or famous Axis VFX vault. So we're going to open the big wrought iron vault doors and we're into question one, which is where in the world are you and where did you grow up or you continue to grow up, right? <laughs> yeah. Man. yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm in the UK, obviously, in Birmingham. Huh? So that, that was actually one of the things which made me think it would be really hard to get a job because I'm nowhere near any studios, really, any major studios at least. Yeah, that was one of the things that sort of spooked me a bit. I, I think one of the blessings of, of COVID is remote working and being able to, to work for a London studio um, remotely, which is incredible. That's definitely, yeah. without that, I would never have very much doubt I would have been able to do the internship originally. So it's been a, a very interesting, isn't it? Yeah. It's been a blessing. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that actually. I got so wrapped up in talking about your story and and the you know the, the competition, and I forgot it was twenty twenty when you entered, and it was in the peak of lockdown, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, when just you, just sort of started. Yeah. Wow. And but I had no idea you're from Birmingham. I'm from down the road from Leicester, so I'm I'm oh. in London now. But yeah, I'm a fellow fellow Midlander. So uh, yeah, nothing wrong with Birmingham. So you get to you get to work from home then. Do you go into the studio? Yeah. Much? Uh, yeah, I uh, train into studio. Yeah, it's quite a long travel time, but yeah, I can do that. Yeah, it's a bit quicker these days, though, isn't it? I think uh, yeah. be a, my memory of uh, coming into London from Leicester was a, was a long old haul, but I think <laughs> uh, trains have got slightly quicker over the years. Cool. So you're based in Birmingham. That's amazing. And uh, grew up in Birmingham all your yeah, life? Yeah, Josh? always like around the same area. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Well, I can't, I can't detect a Brummie accent there. Don't know no, not there. really. Well, Blue Zoo so. in London have kind of been out of you already. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Cool. Okay. Excellent. So the next question is a classic uh, interview style question, which is the three words that describe you. Now, former guests have strung together almost a three word sentence. Others have gone for three dynamic words. Some have even broken the rules and gone four or five. So I'm going to let you do whatever you want, Josh. What are the three words that describe you? <laughs> I'd probably say just creative. Um, it's really, it's really difficult. Quite, oh, like quite determined question. in what I'm doing. I, I really like to get to an end product. Uh, yeah. And just the last one, be I'd say quite, uh, quite motivated to finish things, uh, really, and and get to a, a final product. Really, I really like that. The yeah. idea of having, say, like making an animation, like being able to do it and then show show loads of people what I've done is like really cool. appealing to me. Yeah, yeah, I get a sense there's a real pride in the work you do, Nick. Yeah, both, I try. I think. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say I really try and like sort of um, always push to. to to make sure what I'm outputting is better than what I was doing last week or last year. Yeah. Yeah. Always a thing you're going. Yeah. Tr- I'm trying to at least. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was saying, I think there's 
there's something in there about getting to that end result, like creating mm. something. So the, both determined and motivated. Determined is very much about seeing something through and motivating yeah. is the energy that propels you you forward. You know, yeah. um, creative is almost the, the arc that kind of covers both because uh, yeah, you have to have that creative kind of energy to see it through too. But I think there's something in there about a pride. You know, I made this, I did this. And yeah, definitely. It's really all that hard work. Yeah, that's, that's really what it's all for, for in my opinion. Yeah. Just sort considering of... I only sent you the questions like half an hour ago that's a pretty good answer I'm going to take <laughs> that Josh <laughs> so the next question is what inspires you so what gets you out of bed in the morning that gets your juices flowing what's the what leads to that motivation and determination really it's 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 seeing now at Blue it's seeing the work that other people are producing there and how incredible a lot of that work is uh, and another another part of it is just just watching films or watching TV shows, consuming media, just generally, um, it makes me when I when I watch something, I'm like quite. It really makes me want to try and do that thing, or do a part of it, or uh, get to that point where I'm at that level of of quality. And and I think that's really what what inspires me the most. Like even playing games and things like that, all the all the all the artistic elements in it. It just that I think that's what inspires me the most, really. I mean, what what was the last piece of uh, content you consumed that really, really inspired you in that way? I really liked uh, The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that was, for me, that was really incredible because of the way, obviously, everyone knows about, like, sort of the way they filmed it was groundbreaking and everything. And that, mm-hmm. that was really cool. But it was also just the cinematography and everything about that I really enjoyed. And looking into it more i found out that the ilm like to use like generalists a lot more in that show and that someone would take like a shot and sort of build it from the ground up all the way through which i thought was really interesting and quite quite a unique and quite unique way of working really in such a big studio so yeah Yeah, no i completely agree it's all in unreal mostly unreal wasn't it i think they used i think i don't know if they used unreal i think they might have like made their own software or something that handled like some of the uh, the tracking and everything because it was so cutting edge but yeah, it was it was incredible seeing like all the behind the scenes of, say there was like a crate in one shot and the director wanted to change it as they were filming it that he could do that. It was really cool. Wow. It's it amazing what's achievable, isn't it? Yeah, it was incredible. You know, somebody who's inspired by you know uh, you know film, TV, games. I imagine. I mean, again, this is me speaking as a very old man to a very young man growing up with all of this stuff you know your I imagine your frame of reference is being born into everything I can't imagine what that's like you know I grew up with three or four channels and we're still raised by tv but not to the extent that perhaps perhaps you have been Josh you know I think um, is that overwhelming I think it's great Uh, like having YouTube and having literally thousands of people like more hours of knowledge on there than I could ever hope to, to watch uh, teaching you how to do literally anything you want to do in terms of like 3D art or things that were considered really tough to get into or really specialised. You had to go through university. You couldn't yeah. learn it yourself. And now it's like you can just yeah. do it for free on your own. I think that's amazing, isn't it? That is incredible, yeah. And I, I don't think I probably wouldn't have got into it if I had to pay money to get software or I had to like and pay someone to train me it's just ridiculously expensive uh, i just wanted to to make something because it was my hobby sort of thing i never wanted to put that sort of investment in when i didn't even know if i'd enjoy it you know what I mean? yeah and i think yeah you're right i mean we talked about blender early i mean blender alone there's so much it's free software anyway isn't it and then you've got the reams and reams i mean you 
almost makes college redundant in a way, doesn't it? I don't know. I'm not, you know, don't quote me on that. If any colleges are listening, any friends who work for you, work at universities, but if well, you're I'd passionate, say like you said, you know. You don't need it, but I think that helps you to, to keep up that motivation and keep up the consistent practice of it, definitely. But you could totally do it without, like, you know, that's what I did. And I know a lot of people that have just sort of, as long as you've built up a good portfolio and you've, you've been practicing a lot and learning a lot in your own time, then there's no reason why you can't, I don't think, anymore. Yeah, again, it goes back to being determined, doesn't it? You've yeah, got, just, you've got just, to push yourself. just consistent, because a lot of people will try something for maybe a couple of weeks and then, and then you know, they're too busy to, to carry on with it or they're not motivated enough or they don't see the point and they just sort of drop it and never get yeah. to, you know. You've got to love it, right? I mean, like we said earlier, it's, it's got to be born out of almost something that isn't linked to a career you know something you enjoy doing yeah definitely I feel really lucky in that sense that I found that that thing that I enjoyed doing and, and it turned out to be a career I could go into is amazing oh it's incredible yeah, yeah. to do what you love like it that it's really it's nice. really incredible yeah so another favorite question of mine is the the extraterrestrial one so explain what you do for a living to an alien so if the they came down with their ray guns. What are you gonna What are you gonna tell them? Uh, pretty much, I just I just make pictures. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. much it. I just it's just a, a very creative job where you know the focus is on the final the final artistic output. Um, and there's a lot of well, my particular role is generalist, so I do a lot of everything at the minute, uh, which is is really great for for my learning. I think, um, and I, I do enjoy having a, a bit of a hands on experience with. The whole part of the pipeline and not being stuck in a bubble sort of thing where I never learn about this one thing or so, so I do enjoy that side of it yeah so for those I guess you know, hopefully a lot young real youngsters on who are listening to the podcast all being well the, the idea of a generalist could you explain a bit about what it means to be a generalist is it literally learning everything because that sounds kind of scary in terms of no it's, you know, it's the, like the mountain you have to climb yeah, it's having a, a base level understanding of sort of every part of the pipeline, not not have to be like very proficient in each of them. And and for me, um, it, it wasn't like I learned one thing to the level I know it now, then I learned the next, then I learned the next. It was sort of like I wanted to make an image, so I learned a bit of everything and then my skills sort of improved overall in the same sort of ratio across all the different um, practices. That's a great explanation. I think the aliens will be very happy with that. So, uh, sorry, they've not they've not obliterated you. Or, you know, you're not a, a little puddle of powder on the floor, right? So we kind of know some of the answers to this. We're going to get into kind of bre- breaking into industry, etc. But I do want to hear from you on question five, which is, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, you know, was it was it straight away I want to be an animator, or did you have earlier career aspirations? Um, no, I well, I think the first thing i ever said was i want to be an architect uh oh, wow. yeah for some reason i don't really know and then i learned that it was really technical and uh, mathematical and quite boring so i dodged that yeah i never really had a great understanding i always was interested in art and drawing and and that side of things but i never really put two and two together to think that i could make that a career i was always interested in um computers and technical mm. side of things too so yeah it I guess the only time I really started to think about was after I'd started doing 3D to some degree and I'd started to uh, make these really terrible games and things like basically was the that was when it sort of clicked with me that you know this is a job that someone does maybe I could go into that Uh, so yeah cool yeah but I get I get your point on 
architecture. I mean, it's an amazing career. I mean, mm. I thought about it when I was much younger. And I saw how long you had to go to university for oh, an education. Yeah. And it's like, you know, studying to be a doctor or something. It's just like an endless, which makes sense, right? Yeah. Because these are big kind of constructs that house people. So it's bigger than just design, isn't it? Yeah, Safety yeah. And... A bit too, too much responsibility for me. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Stick to making, Stick to uh, making, making fake, fake houses. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Question six might be redundant because what made you choose the university or college that you went to but I guess you've not really had much choice have you because you've made it to sixth form and I guess that would have been an extension of yeah it was an extension of the school I originally was going to change to go to like a more creative place I just ended up staying easier uh, everything really yeah it was originally actually choosing like the secondary school like way back when I when I did that I, I wanted I went to the school I did because had like the impression of being more creative to me than some of the other schools uh, had like a creative arts building and everything so I was like um, I'll, I'll go here because I'd always really been interested in drawing like I said and I was I think I was generally quite a creative person so I wanted to sort of I knew that that was the general direction I wanted to go so I, I tried to go to places that I knew were better for that direction. Yeah and I guess if uh, you hadn't submitted your film to uh, the Young Animator of the Year you're off to Bournemouth potentially, right? So yeah, that's obviously yeah, a definitely, very obvious yeah. <laughs> choice for your, your skill set and your, your career aspirations. Yeah, no, I'd heard a lot about Bournemouth and it seems like a really great place to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of the staples for sure. So the next question is, we've touched on this quite a lot in our intro, is the how did you break into industry? So we know... I've pretty much covered that the my intro, which again took me about six takes to get through. So what is what would you consider to be your break? It was probably three D Ami. Yeah, it's probably three D Ami. Um because before I did that, the reason I learned about three D Ami in the first place was you could trace it all back to like one day basically. Uh, I went to the Blender conference in London and that was like my first time ever meeting people in the industry and that sort of thing. I don't know how old I was, and I was 15 or something. And I, I saw Peter Kemp there do a talk about 3D Ami. And I thought, you know, I may as well, I may as well try and get into this because uh, it seems like the perfect thing for me. You know, I'm really passionate about Blender. I'm really passionate about filmmaking. It just seemed the perfect thing for me to do, really. Um, so I, I applied for it, uh, got in, and it all sort of stemmed from there because from there, obviously, Peter emailed me about the competition and... From there, I applied and won that, which gave me Blue Zoo. So it, it all sort of spiraled from there, really. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Again, it's all those sliding doors moments. So it was that the Blender conference that you yeah. went to. That yeah, if I to decided not to do that. Now. Yeah, if I decided not to do that, I absolutely wouldn't be here, really. Definitely not at Blue Zoo. Yeah, it's, it's well, incredible. Big, big props to Pete Kemp as well. Yeah, definitely. Well. And, uh, yeah, 3DM is an amazing programme. So, yeah, so moving on from that break then, and we're going we're gonna to come back to, obviously, the, the competition. And that kind of thing. I want to start talking about some of the, the work you've done and what you, you would consider to be the best kind of project you've worked on today. I know it's early days and you've said, I, thought, I assumed it was two years, it's eight months, eight to nine months. But if you can talk about any, what would be the most exciting project you've worked on today? That we did this sort of medical advert in Blender that was it's for COPD, I think it's called Nora. Um, and that was like a really unique style and it I think it was something we could only really achieve in Blender, which was quite exciting to me. And yeah, the, the whole, the art direction of it and everything, I just think it made it look really, really nice. Uh, and it was great because it was a completely Blender-based job, which which was exciting. So that's quite a new thing. So yeah, that was probably the, the best thing I've yeah, worked on. Got to flex your, your Blender expertise. 
<laughs> no, I really enjoy using that that software really because I, I just find it to be really creative and very like it feels like it's it's been made by the artists. I really like using yeah. it. And how big is the, was the team on that job? You know, how many who were you working with? Um, probably about five or six people in addition to me. So it was fairly large, really, for our department. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of talented people on it that I learned a lot from. Yeah, I mean, how how does that work at Blue Zoo with the the level of kind of whether formal or informal mentorship that you get? Do you feel like you've got a opportunity to ask lots of questions and continue to yeah absolutely grow. i think you know the best way to learn is by 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 practice and by trying on the job and um yeah getting lots of feedback just from sending work i've done because it's a lot easier just to send a picture and, and get feedback like that and that helps you improve more than i would say having a long conversation would really so there's that and then there's just you know off the cuff just talking to people and and that helps a lot too yeah there's a whole wide range of things especially speaking to some of the more 2d guys they were really focused on like the the final look and the colors and the covers everything like that it's been amazing to to hear more about yeah no i can imagine it must be brilliant like literally learning on the job and being surrounded by all that talent and yeah yeah and applying it in real time you know rather than just having a conversation i think it's and, and on a live project as well yeah yeah it's amazing gold dust isn't it it's incredible to see you know the work that you do actually go out there so it might be too early to say the next question we used to call this the worst job you've worked on but it felt really negative and uh, yeah really unprofessional so we changed it to kind of most challenging job or project that you may have worked on and this can go back to pre blue zoo i'm not really sure i feel like you know, there's challenges in every job, really. Um, and, and mainly for me, it's it's on my personal stuff. Like, for example, the film I did, it was like losing motivation at the start. Like, there's so much to do. There's not enough time to do it. You know, there's no way I'm, I'm going to be able to get this done. That sort of thinking. And that that's really hard to sort of push past and overcome. But if you can do it, then you get to create a cool result. So, yeah, that, that's probably the hardest thing for me, really, is just pushing through the early stages where I'm where I'm weaker at, like coming up with stories and things. That That's a weaker person. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess that's... I mean, it is quite overwhelming to begin with, isn't it? I can imagine, you yeah. know, going into a big project and we talk about things like imposter syndrome and, I mean, it never leaves you that kind of thing, really, when you start a big project. Yeah, no, I definitely felt like, as soon as when, on my first, like, week on the internship, I felt a bit sort of overwhelmed by, like, the amount of... Um, talent in the room and the fact that everybody's sort of used to that environment and working to tight deadlines I was never used to working to like proper commercial deadlines mm. so it was like that was a bit stressful at first but then you really get used to it and you realize you know it's not bad at all really. do you find that I'm always interested in the I mean, we I don't like the term soft skills because I think it devalues the, the skills of professionalism and managing expectations and receiving feedback and all of that kind of stuff um, obviously you're learning your technical abilities you feel that you're really growing a kind of a skill set of uh, I guess professional skills as well do you think that that yeah embeds? I think so I think it's just part it comes part and parcel mm. with it really I think just the more you meet new people at the studio and and sort of work with new people and all that really really goes into yeah. it I think cool well we'll come back to that but I'm itching to get into the geeky section, which is uh, all about shows and shots and stuff. And uh, you've already said you've, uh, you're a bit of a culture vulture when it comes to uh, games and streaming services and YouTube. 
So we're going to start with uh, the question, which is, who is your VFX or animation hero? For somebody who has been into animation since almost year dot, you know, who's a big hero of yours? I really like Ian Hubert. I don't know if you know, if you're aware of him, but he's like, he's an indie filmmaker, basically, who's... He's worked at Blender Studio on a couple of projects and stuff, but he's basically a VFX god. He's uh, he's unbelievably amazing, doing everything by himself, being a one man like uh, Hollywood basically for the, the level of VFX that you see him produce, and you realize it's all done by one guy in his garage, is kind of insane to me. Uh, when you look at the work he produces, like produced twenty minute episodes that look incredibly high quality all throughout. Yeah, it's really incredible. That that really inspires me to look and see that one one guy who's just really passionate about it, really likes to make films, can can you know buy a twenty quid green screen, and use his phone to like record his girlfriend doing an act, and then like a whole shot can come out of it. Amazing. It just looks incredible. Yeah, I just think that's really inspiring. Yeah, I've got him up on YouTube now. I'm going to. Uh, yeah. going to you should look at the. Uh, you should look at the Hyper Bowl. That's like a two minute thing he did. That was like. He actually made it for like the background of another shot, but it's incredibly high quality. It looks incredible, in my opinion. Amazing, Ian Hubert, amazing. Yeah, I should I should know him. So uh, if I don't, then apologies. But yeah, I'll uh, I will do uh, by by the, this, by the end of the day for sure. So Ian Hubert's the VFX hero. So what would you say is the best? Is it, these these are hard questions, by the way. What's the best VFX or animation you've ever seen? Best piece you've ever well, seen. Well. I'm going to say Ian Hubert's Hyperbowl as like an incredible uh, piece for reasons that are like, if I saw that in a movie, it would be impressive, but it'd be as impressive as knowing that one man did it for free. Um, but in terms of like large scale production, there's there's so many VFX shots. I, I can't really think of any off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, take take uh, take basically any shot of out of like Star Wars from a VFX perspective and you look at it and it, it's remarkable. Especially like, I really enjoy seeing behind the scenes of like older VFX shots where they didn't have computers, they didn't have anything and they had to come up with really creative ways to solve something really trivial now. But that that's incredible to me, the, the way they use, they make use of miniatures and stop motion and everything. I, I think that's really cool, just in, on a general note. It still stands up, doesn't it? I mean, uh, yeah, I was, it's funny if I was like, I go swimming every morning and I was chatting to the regulars in, in the pool this morning and uh, one of them asked me what I did for a living and I was talking a bit about it and then he started talking about Ray Harryhausen and all the old Sinbad movies and Jason and the Argonauts and Clash of the Titans and we were just talking about how they, they still look amazing. Like, yeah. These bronze statues come to life and it's all stop motion. And again, it goes back to like great stories, right? We talk about this on yeah. the podcast a lot. You know, and just having yeah. the uh, the creative eye, and it's not really about your tools so much as it is your um, creative ability. I think. Exactly, exactly. Well, I have a feeling that we might have an Ian Hubert theme to the geeky section, but I'm going to go yep. into the next uh, <laughs> the next question, which is a a show that stands out as an animation masterclass. So, what what would you consider to be the absolute pinnacle of the art form? Well, I love. I mean, everybody knows that Pixar is like the highest, the the gold standard for animation, right? But I really think like it's it's underrated for like people take the films for granted now as like oh, it's just Pixar, obviously it's going to look incredible. But the amount of work and the amount of creative direction and everything that goes into every single shot, it blows my mind that that is doable. Yeah, I really really enjoy watching every new Pixar film. Like even if I don't enjoy the story, I love the visuals. 
every time. These are incredible, aren't they? I mean, everyone gets better and better. I mean, the work they do with kind of fur and um, and like physics, music, yeah. water, and it's, it's just incredible. Yeah, it's really on the cutting edge. Yeah, and, and they've published so many like technical papers of technology that's never been used that they developed for their films, and I just think it enriches the industry um, a lot. I think it really does help everyone for those films to be made. Yeah, and no, I completely agree. Yeah, no, I think people take for granted now VFX and it, it looking good all the time and it, it being photo real, but like the amount of work is still incredible that goes into pretty much every movie. Completely agree. I mean, we forget that visual effects, you know, what we do currently is really young still. It's about yeah. the 20 year old mm-hmm. industry, isn't it? I mean, it's, you know, you talk about specially special effects, practical effects, and, you know, miniatures and, and stop motion animation. And it's still such a new thing. And yeah, what you're saying doesn't surprise me. I mean, I experienced it when I worked at the mill and, and I do where I'm at Framestore now is just seeing how studios is creating, you know, IP internally all the time and, and pushing the industry forward and, you know, pushing technology to its limits to see what it can do. And it's, it's really exciting to be almost at the inception of the industry. I mean, if we can do what we can do with it now, I mean, I've just started watching um, Love, Death and Robots on Netflix, okay. the new the new season, and it's just amazing. It's just like off the scale talent. Yeah, you, t- you add another twenty years on top of that. And just oh see yeah, the, like the tools just get better and better. It just allows more people to get into it and make stuff quicker and faster and cheaper. And yeah, I just think it's a, it's it's going to be incredible. Yeah. Cool. So we've got Ian Hubert. Hyperbowl, we've got Pixar. Now we're going to get into character design. For you, what would be your favourite piece of character design? A great character. I really like um, Syndrome from The Incredibles. I think that's really... I, th- I really like ah, that. Yeah, I, I just think feels really justified and it's a great villain in animation, I think. And it's not so much as like... A lot of villains are just inherently bad and there's no real reason and like that. But with this, I really... It really made sense, and I think it just—it's just a great, really thought-out, well-developed character. Yeah. That's a really good point, actually, because I think a lot of uh, superhero villains are just like really evil, or they've got—they've been just I don't know, fallen, fallen in a vat yeah, of toxic waste, evil, or yeah. Got, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas, yeah, Syndrome has got a really interesting backstory, isn't it? It's almost—it's almost a be- believable. Yeah, I think it, the whole movie is like centered around that, and I just think it's really cool. That's a great example. I love that. So we're going to move away from the geeky stuff. We'll probably dip back in, depending on how the conversation goes, Josh. But I want to talk about a bit of advice now. We're into kind of the last section, which is all centered around careers advice and catering to our listeners who are mostly aspiring talent and people who want to be sitting where you're sitting. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Again, I'm sure you've had a lot, but what's, what stands out? Just, to, just to keep it up, really. Just to keep every day, do an hour or do half an hour and just make sure that you never you're never stagnant and that you're always you're always just working on it uh, basically that's that's literally the best the best advice really because even even if you're barely trying to improve you just will over time it's just such a great thing that's a really good bit of advice actually some i've been doing some reading recently about the idea of just incremental habit forming and actually even if you just do because people complain about not having the time to do this kind of stuff all the time right and actually if you just do 10 yeah. minutes 5 minutes an hour you know, a couple of whatever time you've got, just use it. And it is about this, that gradual, it's like any habit forming or any skill, yeah. isn't it? You just keep chipping away at it and sharpening yeah, it. Yeah, just consistency, and, I think, is really the most important thing with any creative skill. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you, Josh. 
So we've touched on this already. It's the big imposter syndrome question. We get quite consistent answers to this on the pod. Have you ever felt out of your depth or that you're faking yeah. it to make it? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Like, as soon as I went on the internship, I thought, well, I'm really in with the big boys and I don't know what I'm doing at all. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like just just keep just keeping going with the work you're doing and being confident in what you're doing and knowing that what you're doing isn't the best, but you're going to get feedback and it's going to improve and it's an iterative process. Really helped me a lot, I think. Yeah, and the key word there yeah. is process, isn't it? It's enjoying yeah, yeah, the process. Yeah. Don't focus on the the end game yeah. of being this like legendary yeah. artist who's winning awards left, right and centre. And you know, that will come, but it's about being in the moment and enjoying the Yeah, just taking each sort of, each thing, you're, each task you're doing as, as it comes really. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and and a, a little dose of imposter syndrome is pretty healthy because it keeps you, I say it on every pod, so if regular listeners will get really annoyed with me repeating myself on every episode, but it does keep you grounded and humble. And it's, we talked about behavioural skills earlier. I mean, humility is one of the, most important ones in my personal view that you just keep yeah. grounded stay real stay true to yourself and don't don't fall victim yeah, to ego yeah. like thinking that you're better than the artist sitting next to you is never a good thing because you know it's you could all learn so much off of each other really so it's so we've got another question which is a bit unusual because you you're still yeah. a teenager yeah, yeah, is yeah, that josh <laughs> and the question is what advice would you give your teenage self if you could go back yeah, you're yeah. so I, you can cook this however you want to. You can imagine your my ripe old age. You can go back, or you can just go back to your younger self and give yourself any advice. Let's do yeah, that okay. one. I think if you could go back ten years, what would you what would you say to your um, Josh? I'd probably say just just make sure you stay creative and don't fall into the trap of of just doing just doing like the technical stuff at school and just coming home and just playing games and not doing anything. Basically, it's just keep keep a hobby up that is creative. And, and make sure that you, you know, you just practice a lot and do what, do what you enjoy yeah. doing and never, never stress about it, that sort of thing. So in many ways, you're just saying just keep doing what you're doing because that's exactly what you've done, isn't it? You've gone, you've gone to the Blender conference, you've met Peter Kemp, yeah. you've, got, you've done 3D AMI, you've entered the competition, you've, you've fought, you know, everything's kind of fallen into place. Yeah, if, really. I, if I could change one thing, I would just say, like, just, I wish I'd have made more while I had a lot of free time. But I wish I'd have just made more like longer animation stuff and just more mm. shorts and things like that. I'm not got so distracted, but I mean that's it's whatever. Yeah. yeah, but it happens, you know. It's you're only human. Yeah, you gotta have you gotta have downtime as well, man. I mean, come on, you can't be a machine. You you know when you're 13, you know, but you've done the right things. So back into advice again. It's a similar question. And again, you may have already answered it, but you know, is there anything you wish you'd known when you were starting out? Is there anything you wish you'd kind of had? Uh, I wish I'd known that it, it wasn't as hard as I thought to get into the industry. And there's a lot, a lot of people that are actively looking for younger people to get into the industry, and it's not such such a mountain yeah. as I thought it was, because you don't have to go in being the best or being able to produce work that's that's ready to like output. But you need to, as long as you're willing to learn, I think. You know, that's the most important thing great advice actually yeah and you're right i mean i think it's often an assumption as you know the internet and social media there's a lot of noise out there there's a lot of studios there's a lot of opportunity um, and there's an argument to say that it's like really overwhelming and how on earth you know in terms of odds am i going to secure this role but the one thing i've learned is you know if you've got that interest and you know what you want to do and you're creative and passionate and interested and curious that there are opportunities there. I'm not saying there's a magic wand and everybody gets 
job you know, i'm not oprah but you know i think whether it be the work entry-level opportunities it's all yeah. to play for really i mean i think it's probably with all of those tools and the internet and you know all that connectivity it's actually a bit easy to get on people's yeah, radar. just as long as you're like proactive with it i think like trying to find opportunities and not just sort of waiting for one to come to you absolutely that's really important so we're into the last few questions now so kind of again you're you're new to the industry so i'm really interested to see what your perspective is on this question which is what would you change about the vfx or animation industry uh yeah i have no idea really uh yeah that's that's really if i i'm gonna hunt you down in about 15 (laughs) years time at a networking event somewhere i'll be a bit older you might still recognize me i might have lost my hair by then and i'm going to ask yeah. you a question and yeah. you give me an answer and we're going to tag it on to the end of the podcast yeah, nice. so last two questions then these are the big ones okay we've got the industry advice question and the career advice question so the industry advice question how do we attract a wider group of people to the industry a more diverse group of people to? i think industry? you know with remote working it really opens the doors massively to, to people that because of location could never commute to a studio or in a different country entirely and you know i think you know originally i thought because i'm in the uk there's no way i'm going to be able to get into like a big animation studio i'm going to have to move to america or you know where 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 it is but that's not always true and especially with remote working if you're even abroad you could still get hired at a studio or you could freelance abroad There's, I think that with the internet, there's so much more opportunity for people that aren't in areas rich with animation studios or, or that sort of thing, but are still interested in it. I think there's still a lot of opportunity there. Uh, yeah, and it's a really good point around uh, geography and that you don't have to be, you know, London-based to work in a London studio anymore. You're, you know, you're based in Birmingham. Yes, you could come in for how, how you know, the commuter routes are so quick these days anyway, but... Even if you didn't go into the studio, you could literally be fully remote and still yeah, get the yeah. job done right for the sake of argument. So the final question, Josh, you ready for the big finish? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. The career advice question. We've done a bit of advice already. I've got on my soapbox and given advice. You've done your thing. What is your golden nugget of advice for anyone trying to get into the industry right now? I'd say persistency. Like, I, like I've been saying, persistency with work and persistency with applications and persistency with looking for opportunities, going to conferences, going to events, everything. You just meet people and you never know what can come out of it. Yeah. I'm going to say this again because I, again, repeat myself on all the podcasts is you're always one uh, conversation away from changing your life. And I think uh, your example about the Blender conference is a perfect example of that. Like conferences can be a bit stuffy and they can be a bit, oh God, I'm going to have to go to this thing and I'm going to have to stand in the corner in the breaks and awkwardly talk to people but just, yeah. just do it yeah particularly if they're free or you know there's so much just go on eventbrite and just search what you're interested in and and just turn up to stuff because you never know who you're going to meet or who's going to be that spark that's going to lead to a, a 3d artist role at blues yeah, animation it's just I mean? one it's, thing uh, leads to the next it's crazy yeah. how things work out it's incredible yeah. such good advice such good advice persistence always keep the faith keep doing your thing but you've got to do it you've got to do that work you've got to put it in and you've got to stay stay consistent yeah, like definitely said. and just you know keep keep working on personal stuff and never never stop doing that because it makes you only makes you better and it only increases your chances brilliant well thank you josh that was great so i'm gonna you're gonna help me close the door it's quite heavy i'm gonna put the door there we go the wrought iron doors are closed on the vault once more for another episode josh thank you so much for doing this and at such short notice as well i know we put you on the spot and literally only sent you the uh, the questions earlier today so i think you had a great stab at those and uh for somebody so early on in their career 
I think there's some real solid advice in there. I think people are going to get a lot from this episode. Thank you. Yeah, no, it was great, Steve. Thanks. Thank you, Josh. So it would be uh, remiss of me not to ask you to, if you wanted to plug any of your work or anything you're doing at Blue Zoo. Obviously, we're here to shout about uh, Yay, Young Animator of the Year. So we'll make sure all the details are in the show notes. Um, I'll ask you one final question. It's not, it's aside from the vault, the vault's locked now, but I'm going to ask you one more question is, if anybody's listening to the podcast, considering applying for, uh, for the Young Animator of the Year, submitted some work, what advice will you give them? Should they should they be bothered? Should they do it? Obvious question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Well, if, you know, it's it's free. There's nothing to lose with it. You just, if you're passionate about it, then, then do it. There you go. We're going to leave it at that. Well, Josh, I'm going to leave you to the rest of your day. I can hear uh, your family causing havoc through the door. So I think if I need to go and kind of <laughs> calm them down or just go and cause havoc with them if you want. It's, it's a Friday. Well, it's Friday where we're recording this. Obviously, it comes out. Actually, it drops on a Friday as well. So yeah, it works for consistency and continuity. But Josh, thank you for coming on the podcast. You've been brilliant. And uh, yes, anybody listening, submit your entries. Um, the website is younganimator.uk forward slash competition or just younganimator.uk just get on there check it out look at josh's work it's in there go and check out um, his early work i know he's a bit embarrassed by it now but it's still awesome i think um it was our first one so it's the uh yep 2020 entry from josh a17 go and check it out josh i'm gonna let you go um thank you so much thank you thanks well that was it episode 19 of the access vfx podcast Right, let's get to it. Here's the deal if you want to enter Young Animator of the Year or yay. Number one, create a short animated film no more than 120 seconds in length using either stop motion, 2D or 3D animation styles. Number two, there is no theme for this year's competition. Use your creativity to come up with any subject or storyline. Take a look at previous year's winners for inspiration. And number three, Upload your film as an MP4 video file to the website by Sunday the 4th of September 2022 using the link on the Yay website. So go to younganimator.uk for more info, watch Josh's and other winners' awesome videos, as well as finding out how you can join 3D Ami Summer Studio, who are also taking applications until their closing date of the 11th of July 2022. So a lot going on, you lucky, lucky people. Anyway, before you go, a couple of things. Please go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating, please. Subscribe and leave us a review if you fancy it. And most importantly, please get involved with our Foundry-sponsored global e-mentoring program. If you're in the UK, USA, Canada, Australia or New Zealand, you can sign up for free to get an industry mentor or be a mentor yourself to folks aspiring or just getting started in VFX animation or games. Go to www.accessvfx.org forward slash mentors and change someone's life. Thank you, Josh, for being such a brilliant guest. Thanks to Tom Box for producing it and for the graphics. And of course, thanks to you for listening. Come and join me next week, where once again we speak to another inspiring member of the visual effects, animation and games community. Have a great day. Music.